This episode of Industry Focus is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits Today at netsuite.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, September 5th, and we're breaking down Zillow's plan to shake up the home buying process. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Molly Fool contributor Luis Sanchez via Skype. How's it going, Luis? Good. How's your summer been? I know it's uh, you know we just passed Labor Day, so I guess it's the unofficial end of summer. But uh, what what you been up to this summer? Yeah, so summer went well. Uh, yeah, I guess it is over now. <laughs> but the, to be honest with you, Nick, uh, the last few weeks have been pretty stressful for me. So I live in New York City, and my wife and I are getting ready to move into a new apartment at the end of this month. And I mean, as as you can probably imagine, moving in the city is a real hassle. Apartments are super competitive to lockdown, and uh, moving moving our stuff across the city is also not very fun. Um, for the last month or so, we've been checking this apartment finder app called Street Street Easy pretty regularly now, and that kind of ties in to what we're going to discuss today because Street Easy is actually owned by Zillow, and it's actually been pretty essential for us in finding our new apartment in the city and it's a great example of how technology is changing the process of finding a, a place to live. Yeah, for sure. You talk about Street Easy, you know, I, when I moved to DC uh, a little over a year ago, I use an app uh, called Hotpads, which I believe is also affiliated with Zillow. So it's another one of these things where, you know, they say software is eating the world, uh, real estate, you know, maybe the next iteration of that. Uh, we're going to talk about Zillow today, and most of our listeners are probably familiar with Zillow. They know about the Zestimate. You can look and see how much your neighbor's house is worth, those sorts of things. Uh, it's really helped empower buyers during their home shopping process. They can know how much these houses are estimated to be worth. Uh, but Luis, can you give us kind of a high-level view uh, of what Zillow's business actually does and how it makes its money? Yeah, sure. Um, so, by way of background, the company was actually founded back in 2006 by Rich Barton, who also founded Expedia and Glassdoor, and another guy, Spencer Raskoff, who is the guy that founded Hotwire. And uh, Barton and Raskoff are, are still involved with Zillow and actually still own a lot of the company. And when they started Zillow, it was basically a website where people could just list their homes for sale or for rent. And their big idea was simply to make money on advertising, either through display advertising or by partnering with real estate agents and landlords. And what's developed is basically their bread and butter business, which they call premium agent. And that's and that business is basically Zillow selling leads to real estate agents and landlords. And the way the way it kind of works today is if you're looking to buy a home or move into an apartment, you go to Zillow.com and research prices, research your neighborhoods. You might see something you like, and you know your next impulse obviously is, okay, well, how do I how do I contact the buyer? And very handily, off to the side, there might be an advertisement for for an agent that covers that zip code that could actually help you broker that transaction. Right, and that agent has paid money to Zillow to be there, which has really been the foundation of that core business. It's matching these buyers that are looking for properties with these agents that have paid Zillow to be up there. And uh, when you take a look at how that business has performed over time, are, are they dropping profits to the bottom line? How well has that business performed uh, since Zillow has gone public? Yeah, so 
growth-wise, it's done really well. I think since they IPO'd in 2011, revenue has something like 30x. And that premium agent business, that advertising business is still technically unprofitable, but it is cash flow positive to the company. Um, and, you know, I think big picture, if we're looking at the company today, it, it's basically the website for conducting research on buying a home. So it's clearly built a very valuable platform, something like 200 million unique visitors per year on its website, over 100 million homes on, in its database. A couple years ago, it acquired Trulia. So now it owns the two most popular home real estate websites. And, you know, now... Now, now I guess the company has, has, has been trying to figure out what's next because they've already built this great advertising business. The growth in that business has kind of slowed lately, but they've, they've accrued a lot of value to their platform and a lot of traffic. And this is kind of where the story gets interesting because now Zillow is essentially taking another step. Uh, back in 2017, it started testing out this marketplace platform where third parties could kind of get on Zillow's website and use its platform to actually directly buy and sell homes. And earlier in 2018, Zillow actually took it another step further and they launched this product called Zillow Offers, where now Zillow will actually directly itself buy, buy homes and then sell them on its platform. And it, it kind of started small, Zillow Offer. Zillow offers just in a handful of markets last year, but it's been pretty quickly ramping up. And the company expects to be in about 26 markets by mid-2020. Yeah, Luis, I guess this this kind of eye-buying trend, some folks might criticize it and say, hey, this is this is a fancy, fancy form of home flipping. Uh, but Zillow maybe will argue it's a little bit different. How is Zillow's approach to this, you know, I buying or home flipping transaction kind of different than the way things have been done in the past? Yeah, you know, I think technically Zillow is flipping homes, <laughs> but I don't think Zillow, the company, would, uh, I think they would characterize it a bit differently. They Their goal really is to provide liquidity to the housing market. It's, it's kind of a liquidity service where, you know, clearly buying a home is, is a huge transaction. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest transaction um, an individual will make. And that's, that's, that's a very complicated process, and it usually takes, takes a while to, to flow through. So Zillow's thinking is, you know, let's add technology to this and smooth the process, make it, make it run more smoothly. And the way it actually works in process in practice is, uh, you know, if you're looking to sell your home, you go on Zillow's website. You might already be going on Zillow's website just to see what your home could be worth. And now off to the side, they, they have this little ad that says, click here to see if you qualify for an instant cash offer. And you basically fill out a quick survey. It might take five or 10 minutes. It's just a questionnaire about some basics of your home. And, you know, Zillow will will turn around and email you maybe a day or two later with a range with a range of what they might be willing to pay you. So actually like a, a cash offer. And if you want to proceed, they'll actually send an inspector to your home within a couple of days to, just to make sure that everything is as described. 
And, you know, if you choose to accept that offer, you can actually get, you know, a 100% cash offer from Zillow within 90 days. And in exchange, Zillow will charge a, a transaction fee between 6 to 9%. And that fee will, will vary depending on a few factors because at the end of the day, Zillow needs to sell the home on the other side. So they're probably going to do some renovations. There might be an estimate of how long they think it'll take to sell your home. And, you know, paying 9% to sell your home is definitely a little bit more pricey than going through a traditional uh, real estate agent process where a real estate agent might charge you 3%. But the service that you're getting as, a, as someone who's selling your home is really a quick close and just that certainty of, uh, of that all-cash ca- all, all offer. Right. It's that idea that, you know, when you own a house and you're moving to another house, you know, you have a lot of cash tied up in that property. If you could get cash quick from Zillow or another one of these iBuyers, makes the ability to move into your new property, you know, just a lot easier and less stressful. And then as well, as you mentioned, with Zillow being such a popular platform for finding homes, you could see where they can bubble up the homes on their balance sheet up to the top of the list and start promoting those. Uh, on the back half of the show, we're going to talk about whether those financials have really dropped and, uh, you know, worked out so far. Uh, But first, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save the time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com fool. That's netsuite.com fool to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. One last time, that's netsuite.com fool. Okay, Luis, as we talk about this kind of eye-buying, home-flipping model, adding liquidity to the real estate market, you can see how it makes a lot of sense for buyers. But do you think Zillow is actually going to make money on this? You know, As we mentioned off the top, that this is a company that wasn't showing accounting profits in its core advertising business, and now you're moving into a significantly more capital-intensive business than that legacy offering. Uh, what are the financials looking like so far? Yeah, so... Making money is kind of a funny term these days for growth stocks. Clearly, the trend isn't really for companies to be that focused on making money. And uh, Zillow seems to be embodying that spirit of, uh, of the latest trend of these tech companies. And, and yeah, technically, Zillow isn't showing a profit on, a, on an accounting basis for its advertising business, although it, although it is cash flow positive, And that's definitely worth noting that it's self-financing. And you know they're definitely using that cash flow from the advertising business to help get this uh, home buying business off the ground. So, you know, the idea here is that as Zillow is ramping up this business, um, they're gonna they're gonna really take on they're gonna really burn a lot of cash because they're gonna have to buy a bunch of houses before they sell them, and you know. So far, it's it's proven to be just that. In the first half of 2019, Zillow lost over 116 million dollars in terms of operating losses, 
And, you know, perhaps these operating losses are a bit overstated because the company really isn't uh, operating at scale yet. And sure, there's plenty of startup costs and overhead costs that come with starting a new business and rolling out to all these new cities. Um, I think it's most helpful to focus in on the uh, economics of the average home flipping transaction. And Zillow actually does a really good job of providing disclosures for that. So according to Zillow, they in the in the second quarter of 2019, which is the most recent quarter, they sold 786 homes. And on average, it purchased a home for about $286,000, and on average it sold a home for about $317,000. So right off the top, that's a $31,000 gain per home, which is about an 11% gain. Although it's worth noting that that 11% gain includes their 6 to 9% commission. Um, but, their, um, but there's, there's additional costs in there. And Zillow basically discloses that on, on average for each home, it incurs about $29,000 in additional expenses to renovate each home and also to sell each home. And then another approximately four to five thousand dollars in interest expense that it incurred to borrow money to to buy each home. So, you know, if you add the the interest expense to the selling costs, um, Zillow is actually burning a couple thousand dollars for each home at the um, at the transaction level, and you know that is actually not accounting for any of the uh, overhead costs, including uh, pretty heavy costs for tech development and advertising. So, so basically, this Zillow offers business is a negative gross margin business as it is today. And then, of course, it's an even, it's an even more negative operating margin business right now. Yeah, I mean, when you have that, uh, you know, twenty nine. So you have a thirty one thousand dollar profit off the top, and then immediately twenty nine thousand dollars goes out the door. Uh, you know, for refurbishing costs, you can see how how it's it's really difficult when you have to take into account interest expense and marketing to let make sure people know about this program and those sorts of things. It's kind of difficult uh, to maintain profitability, but it's worth noting that this is very early days for the business. So you know, Luis, when it comes to the end game for this company, when Zillow reaches scale. Uh, what is kind of Zillow's plan to use this uh, this you know home buying business? Uh, how does that fit into the overall strategy Zillow has going forward? Yeah, so clearly Zillow has a plan here, albeit it's it's a pretty ambitious and visionary one. The way the way I kind of have, have thought about it is there's a few different legs to the stool of profitability for Zillow offers, so to speak. The first one is Zillow Zillow believes that once they get this um, Zillow offers business to scale, that they can actually um, make a slight profit on the actual home flipping part of the equation. But really, um, it looks like the real money is actually going to be in building businesses outside of, uh, of directly buying and selling the home. So Zillow wants to create this whole ecosystem of using its platform as a place to transact on homes and then selling cross-selling other services to to people. So obviously 
the company already has, um, you know, advertising relationships with real estate agents. And, you know, if, if you're someone who's selling a home, you may then also on Zillow, you may also then use Zillow if you're going to go buy another home and then therefore you may be inclined to use the premium agent product through Zillow. And more interestingly though, perhaps is that Zillow is actually getting into other businesses related to uh, the transaction process. So last year Zillow acquired a mortgage company and they, they hope to, to attach uh, mortgages to to different transactions on their platform. And there's a whole host of other ancillary uh, services that you could see them attaching. And they've also laid out in, in their filings that they're in. And, you know, these, these transactions include every, these services include everything from title insurance to escrow, moving services. And, you know, if you really start to, to think about it, these other businesses, including the mortgage business, are a lot more straightforward fee-for-service businesses that have a really straightforward uh, cost structure. And it's really easy to see Zillow making a profit if it can bundle up a lot of these services in addition to flipping the home. So, you know, I think this whole exercise is really more of an ecosystem play and to the extent that Zillow can get scale in this in this product and build other services around buying and selling homes, it, it could actually work. Yeah, Luis, th- this story sounds very similar. You know, I, I'm a shareholder of Redfin, and Redfin has done a lot of similar moves when it comes to adding on mortgage services and title services and all those sorts of things adjacent to their business to layer on to their their core brokerage product. It, it sounds like uh, you know what Zillow is attempting to do is a is a very similar model, driving the cost down with with this with this home home i buying model, and then using that to feed into these other businesses that have you know clear higher gross margin businesses. So when you look at what Zillow's doing here with i buying, how does that compare to maybe what Redfin is doing in its business, and maybe what other i buyers are trying to do? Yeah, so. Zillow is is certainly not alone in getting into this instant cash offer business and flipping homes. There's this whole industry emerging now, uh, and they're referred to as iBuyers. Redfin's a great example. Um, Redfin has this product called Redfin Now, where it's a lot more limited in scope. They're they're in fewer fewer markets, but they're essentially doing a similar thing in terms of providing instant cash offers and then turning around and trying to sell homes for a slight profit. And Redfin is actually already in some of these ancillary businesses like mortgages and title. So they they seem to have a similar game plan. Although Redfin's definitely a little bit of a different animal because they also have an online brokerage platform where they charge a reduced brokerage commission um, to do that to do that uh, agency process through their online platform. And they, they have some interesting things going on, too. Um, interestingly, you could pay an additional 1% on top of your uh, brokerage commission to Redfin, and they will offer something called concierge listing, where Redfin will actually come and stage your home, host an open house, and basically run the whole process of selling a home for you. Um, you know, or 
if if you're a Redfin customer and you just want to go ahead and just sell your home to Redfin, similar to Zillow, they'll they'll offer you if you qualify a cash offer and they'll charge you a seven percent transaction fee for that. Um, you know, in addition to Redfin, there's uh, quite a few other iBuyers out there, and some of them have their own their own idiosyncrasies or their own different spins on the process. There's this one service I saw called Knock, which allows homeowners to trade in their homes, kind of how you might trade in your car if you're buying a new car at a dealership. There's this other company called OfferPad, which is backed by Blackstone, and they've raised quite a bit of money, I think something like 400 or $500 million. And then there's this other company called Opendoor, which has gotten a lot more publicity, and they're venture-backed. And they're reported to be spending something like $4 billion a year at this point purchasing homes. So they're a pretty big player. And I believe they've actually partnered with Redfin in a few markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next logical question is with all these iBuyers, what is the competitive dynamic going to look like? And you know, there's a few cities where there's already a few different iBuyers competing with each other. And you have to think that some iBuyers are probably going to be a little bit more aggressive in, in uh, bidding for homes, and that could put downward pressure on their ability to flip the homes for a profit. Um, and, you know, there's still, but there's still a lot of markets where there's only one or two or even no iBuyers. So I think this kind of comes back to why Zillow is so aggressively expanding its iBuying business because it wants to get there first. It wants to get there before other iBuyers can can dominate the market. Yeah, I think I've heard anecdotally from, from from some folks around the fool that yeah, Zillow when it comes to the iBuyer market tends to be the highest touch, the most in you know uh, aggressive when it comes to offering and understanding the idiosyncrasies of, of a home, and then you'll have you kind of have Redfin in the middle, and then Open Door, uh, you know the least touch. Again, that's anecdotal from folks around the company. But another uh, area I think about when you think about uh, these major iBuyers moving into the real estate uh, buying and selling space is the agents. Okay, so Zillow, ha- as we've mentioned, Zillow's legacy ad business is very much. Uh, dependent on agents, and you, as you see, this i buying scale up. If Zillow and these other companies are, are buying these homes, these are transactions that real estate agents aren't participating in. Uh, is there any risk, you know, in your mind of as Zillow moves into this i buying business, that there could be some negative impacts on its core ad business? Um, certainly, it's certainly possible um, because that business is basically built on. Um, real estate agents, which are the more traditional players, buying leads from Zillow to help in the process. And, you know, one of the clear developments that that is occurring through the iBuying, uh, de- through the development of the iBuying industry is that agents are kind of getting left out of the process. And they're, they're kind of being disrupted in a way that's not too dissimilar from, from how we've seen other industries get disrupted by technology. And I can't imagine that agents are are too happy about the developments in in the industry as a result of i buying. And you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with uh, with how the i buying trends are going to shape up long term. We we really don't know um, 
if if i buying itself is going to work if it's going to be profitable if more than one i buyer will be able to operate in this market but one 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 prediction i i won't be too shy about making is that i don't i don't see how real estate agents are going to benefit from i buying i think they're getting cut out of the process and you know i wouldn't be too happy if i were a real estate agent here yeah i mean you've got Certain numbers of transactions being cut out; they're being cut out of, as you mentioned, as well. You know, Redfin and others are putting downward pressure on the brokerage fees that they can demand. So, really, a, a tough time uh, to be in that industry. But again, this is an industry that hasn't changed in a meaningful way in probably decades. So, it's probably ripe for changes. Uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's it's very early days uh, for this i buying business. Zillow offers business uh, uh, for Zillow. The numbers haven't quite. Uh, been as as appealing as we would have liked to see so far, but the business hasn't hasn't reached scale yet. How have investors reacted uh, uh, to this so far? It has been kind of a battleground stock on some of these issues. Yeah, for sure, Zillow is certainly turning into this battleground stock. Um, and you know, there's a lot of smart people on both sides of the bull bear debate here. Obviously, Zillow's insiders are super bullish. Um, Rich Barton actually came back to be the CEO of Zillow earlier in 2019 after he went away to work on other projects, including founding different companies and working with a lot of VC-backed companies. Um, it's worth noting that he was a, a significant backer of WeWork. Um, and other, other than Rich Barton, there's actually been a lot of insider buying activity at Zillow. And the insiders now own more than 15% of the company, so they clearly believe in in the uh, prospect of iBuying long-term. At the same time, nearly 20% of Zillow's shares are held short. And, you know, quite notably, Steve Eisman, who is famously portrayed in The Big Short, is is also short Zillow. And... He's he's done a few interviews where he's described his thesis, and he makes some he makes a really interesting argument. He basically says that i buying is a flawed business, and points to the the negative unit economics of it. And he thinks that home flipping reminds him of a lot of the risk taking behavior that he saw in the housing bubble that caused the two thousand eight financial crisis. And in his mind, real estate is an inherently local market. And it's really not one that he sees as being conducive to a scale tech platform that other industries might be conducive towards. Um, Zillow stock price is actually down since the Zillow offers business took off, but the trading has been pretty volatile. And you know, it seems like investors are really still trying to figure out whether or not they believe in this this new business or not. Yeah, Luis. I think one core question I have here, and maybe this is, is part of part of Eisman's case, but is how scalable or what economies of scale do you think come with this iBuying business? So we've talked about you know Zillow hasn't reached scale yet, and that may be that may be some reason behind why the profitability doesn't drop down. But at the end of the day, these at the core, these are buying and selling homes. How scalable do you think this business model is for a company like Zillow? Yeah. I think that's a really important question. And, you know, there's certainly some aspects of this Zillow offers business that that do scale. So, you know, the the tech platform and the software development that the 
that underpins it is certainly something that can be done from a centralized location. There's certainly some brand advertising that could happen at a national level. But yeah, at the end of the day, zooming in on the transaction, the housing market is is inherently a local market. That being said, um, I don't think this business has to be, I think it can still work for uh, a company like Zillow, even if it is somewhat regional or, or local. And that's just simply because even regional housing markets are pretty huge. So if you if you look at the total U.S. housing market, it's it's something like 30, 30 plus trillion dollars. And, you know, you can you can look at where population centers are based. You can look at a market like, let's say, Los Angeles, which that metro area has somewhere in the neighborhood of 5% of the U.S. population. And, you know, 5% of $30 trillion is, is several trillion dollars. <laughs> so if you start thinking about these multi-trillion dollar markets, even at the local level, you know, you could you can still make the economics work as long as Zillow finds a way to to run its regions efficiently. So going from there, then Luis, you know, would you be an investor today or or if not, what would you need to see to kind of overcome that that kind of confidence interval to get you get you there? Yeah, so I'm pretty I'm pretty torn and I don't plan on making a a, a long or short decision anytime soon. Um, on the one hand, you know, I wouldn't want to bet against Rich Barton. The guy's founded three amazing companies, and he clearly has his pulse on on the his, his finger on the pulse here in terms of the market that he's in. If Zillow is correct about its bet on Zillow offers, I think Zillow could be one of the next mega platforms in the tech industry, um, in the lines of like an Amazon or a Facebook. Um, the housing market is huge. It's you know it's many trillions in in total addressable market, and if Zillow can just carve out um, even a modest niche, it'll definitely accrue a lot of uh, value for shareholders. But at the same time, I look at the the economics of Zillow offers today, and the numbers simply don't add up yet. And I also see smart guys like Steve Eisman being really skeptical. And you know, I think I think Steve Eisman makes some good points. So I'm pretty comfortable watching from the sidelines for now. Um, you know, I would want to have more assurance that Zillow can achieve better unit economics and that there is a path for scalability here. Um, I do believe that Zillow has some competitive advantages. When it comes to the eye buying industry in general, clearly it has a great platform that could lower its uh, cost of customer acquisition versus some of its competitors. But I'm just not I'm just not sure yet because it's doing something that's really bold. It's taking a lot of risk, and there's also ways that this could really backfire for the company. So, in other words. I'm happy waiting and potentially buying Zillow stock at a higher share price, but with more confidence in the business. Yeah, Luis, I, I would kind of count myself in that same boat as well. I, you know, I, I own Redfin. I really do think that the real estate market is ripe for disruption. Uh, it's something that hasn't changed in a significant way over time. 
However, you know, these are some very aggressive bets being made by a large number of, uh, of competitors in this space. And I'd really like to see how things play out. You know, it, it feels like, you know, when you were last on the podcast, we talked about the Virgin Galactic business and how I wanted to see them launch a few rockets safely before I, before I wanted to buy in. I feel a similar way about the Zillow offers business. I want them to scale this safely and see that we can make this work before I really want to, to rush and buy in. However, you know, if, if, if someone wanted to, you know, just take a basket approach and grab Zillow, Redfin, the few folks that are, that are playing in this space, I do expect there's going to be a big tech winner somewhere uh, in this in the real estate industry. But we'll just have to see which one it ends up being or, or if, you know, there's going to be a large number of winners. As you said, this is a very, very large market. Uh, Luis, one last question I do want to ask you, though, you know, whether or not you want to invest in the stock, would you ever use this, uh, this iBuyer service as an individual? Why or why not? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the eye buying service for, for uh, a consumer is great. It, um, you know, you can just fill out the survey, see what the eye buyer would be willing to pay for your home. And who knows the offer could be really, really good. And, um, you know, you could even, uh, Pit up multiple high buyers against each other and see which one gives you the best offer because they're all going to be a little bit different. And at the very least, it gives you it gives you an out in case you can't find a traditional buyer for your home. So you know clearly this is just another example of where the consumer wins. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the consumer is going to be a winner. Whatever ends up happening in real estate. You know, for our listeners, if any of you have used an iBuyer, you know, please let us know how your experience has been and what the process was like. You can shoot us an email at, at, at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. Uh, you can also check us out on YouTube if you want to see some more of our content. You can see Luis and I's smiling faces uh, on the YouTube uh, video feed of this podcast. Luis, thanks as always for joining me on the podcast. As I said, it's super rapidly developing industry, and I'm sure we'll have you back on again soon uh, to discuss it as it develops. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. This was fun. Yeah, for sure. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Luis Sanchez, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!